0: I think there are times where there is some doubt and uncertainty that needs to be addressed, but using that to create fear is is not the answer. I think it's a lazy way of doing sales and marketing, and it's it's unfortunate because it's not necessary. I get why they're doing it. Again, going back to that marketing landscape slide, it's a noisy, crowded marketplace. We have to stand out.
1: So I know last week when we were talking, I was telling you my story about uh, my Fitbit dying and yeah. upgrading to an Apple Watch. So I bought it with and you know applied with uh, for an Apple card to get that. Because I know you had told me about the experience with getting, yeah. getting that. So I applied for it, you know, the plan to pay it off right away. But just to to go through it um and it's cool it arrived this week and and you're right like you want to talk about like the experience of it the application uh for it was seamless Mm -hmm. in in checkout and then ordering the cart and the way it arrived and the way they have it packaged and everything it's like it's a they've got they've got the the entire experience they've had it's when it comes cool. to the uh, product, not just you know, not just using it, but the actual like unboxing of
0: it. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 awesome. I'm glad you I'm glad you did that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a cool experience, and I was like, I was showing Suzanne. I was like, the card, like it, it's titanium. It's yeah. not just plastic. <laughs> no. it's She's like, Is this thing you, say, you know, a card, a real credit card you use elsewhere? I'm like, Yeah, it is. Believe it or not, it's it's the mm. golden Sachs. So <laughs> yeah. it's like a credit card I could use elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome.
0: I don't know that I've ever tried using it. I mean, I've I use it in through the phone. I don't yeah. know that I've ever tried using the physical. It would probably be it'd probably be kind of maybe I don't know. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna go to a restaurant like with some friends. I'm like, I got it. And like slap the
1: metal. Slap it in. down. And you hear the little <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and and I bring that up because let's just dive right into into our topic today. I kind of bring that up a bit to 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 tee up our our um, conversation. Um, Last week we talked a bit the sales process, and you know for those running uh, analytics organizations, and you know those those directors, those VPs running those teams, like you know getting bombarded with. Um, sales calls and kind of knowing when to ask why and even maybe even when to say no. So I kind of want to tease that out a little bit more and talk about one of the tactics that comes with the, especially in the analytics and MarTech space, the sales experience. So we're just talking about like a fine-tuned experience with getting the Apple card and even just everything down to the packaging and the way it's delivered and and everything. Um, I want to talk about... Fear, uncertainty, and doubt, or you know, commonly known as FUD. Um yeah. it, it's a common sales tactic. And I want to ask the question like how can you see through the FUD and and even the fear porn when it comes to technology sales to see what is truly going on? Because I mean it that is all there to kind of cloud your judgment. Um and you know, we know that decisions made out of fear are often drastic and they're wrong. And MarTech sales knows how to tap into the fear of opportunity cost because that's ultimately what it is, is, you know, you're going to miss out on this. You're going to be the last one to, to take advantage of this. You know, you're going to be behind all of your competitors. Um, You know, I guess, yeah, let's just start there. I've got some other questions, but instead of kind of diluting the initial thing, like how can an organization see through the fear, uncertainty, and doubt to actually see, like, what do they need, and what is actually going on, how not to fall prey to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the first step is just recognizing that it's a thing. Um, I, I think a lot of organizations don't, you know, I think fundamentally they may realize that this is a tactic and a thing, but when it's happening to them, they don't, they don't realize it's happening, and and so I think the first step is admitting that we are probably going to be um, attacked by vendors that are going to use FUD as a tactic. And we need to have a strategy in place for how to deal with it. So I think admitting that this is a challenge has to be the first step. Um, And then once we've done that, it's we need clarity on what we're trying to do and solve as an organization. I, I think a lot of these martech vendor sales and marketing teams are really, really good at what they do because they're able to use the fact that um, companies don't. Ha- the Amazon guys are just kill me sometimes. Uh, I've got this like I've got this uh, little uh, recirculating uh, stream in my front yard. You know, it's got a water pump and it moves the water up and down. It's got rocks. And I guess from the road, it might look like a rock path, but they think, they, they think it's a literal path to my front door and I see them struggle trying to walk up this. thing. I'm like, guys, there's like literally a sidewalk on the other side. Anyway, you're on mute, but I find it funny. Um, yeah, I was
1: just saying the driveway's over there.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like literally like a few feet over, you can have a nice smooth walk to my door. You don't have to try to traverse this little stream bed. Um I guess I should just turn the water on, and that would probably give it away. Uh, anyway, um, I you know I think that vendors in in the Martech space definitely know how to take advantage of the fact that lots of companies struggle with knowing what they're they're trying to do, and so when when that's the case, every new gadget or tool seems like a solution to a problem that you might have. <laughs> But, you know, it – It and it's like – I think that's like that with, with most things in, in life. If you don't really know what you're solving for, you get – uh, you kind of become the victim of like things that look cool or the fud factor. Like you're missing out. Your friends have it. Um, I think about it when I first started buying gear for my bass. It's like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to play the bass. I was trying to figure it out. And every time I walked in the store and I saw all these pedals and all this stuff, I'm like, well, I gotta have all that. I'm like, but I didn't know what I was trying to solve for, so it was really meaningless and money not well spent. Uh, so I, I think it's a it's a huge part of it. Once we've accepted the we're going to be attacked from a sales and marketing perspective with FUD tactics. Once we know that we can address it very easily by knowing clearly what we're trying to solve for because there will be times when either some marketing content or a salesperson resonates with a problem that you have and you're trying to solve for and you're like, oh, this might be a fit or a solution for what we're trying to do but if we don't know what we're trying to do we are going to be victim to having the junk drawer full of gadgets of things that we never use. You know, I I think we've all done this in the kitchen at some point in time, like go through, you know, probably you saw this when you were going through your move and going through your kitchen. It's like, what, when did we buy this thing to like shred potatoes differently than like, you know, just using a a box shredder, you know,
1: funny enough, you should bring that up. Um, Yesterday, um, Suzanne was going through, a couple boxes of stuff that we just we just threw together toward the end. It was just, like, shit from the kitchen, stuff from the basement. And she was, she was going through the box with all the drunk drawer stuff on it, and she brought me a, p- a deck of playing cards that I got at a conference from from a vendor. And she's like, do you need these? I'm like, no, give it up. <laughs> I don't even know why they were in there. But they apparently were in our drunk drawer.
0: I think I have a deck of playing cards from a vendor in my backpack. I need to pull it out and see if it's the same one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, show uh, me later, and I'll, I'll be able to okay. tell
0: you. That's, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, but we, we, we do that, right? And so um, for us, buying kitchen gadgets that may be you know $20, $100 is one thing, but buying $300,000 software is a, whole, is a whole other thing that comes with a lot of needed support. And this is only going to get worse. I don't know when we get to some sort of critical mass where this thing implodes in on itself, but we've, we've talked about the the MarTech slide in, in several of our past episodes. Jen talked about it in her presentation. I showed it in a, in a talk that I gave at the DHL Analytics Summit. That slide is is only gaining momentum. It's not slowing down. And and we kind of reached this tipping point where more products create more products because they create new ecosystems. They create more competitors. They create people. It's like, oh, I can do this slightly differently. And so that, that MarTech, tech slide isn't going to get smaller, it's going to continue to exponentially expand because these things are just creating more markets and more opportunities, which means as someone sitting in a position to buy MarTech solutions, our inboxes, our, our phones, our direct messages on LinkedIn are going to continually to get even more flooded by people using FUD saying you need all this stuff, otherwise you're not going to be successful in your role.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. And I think, yes, that slide is is ever-growing, and that is picking up speed. But to the flip side of that, where you're talking about this whole thing imploding, I think you're starting to see some of the early signs of that happening. Um, Because while there are clients that I see falling prey to this, even with recommendations to slow down and be careful, I am starting to see other clients. I'm starting to see even... Uh, folks I know in the space that necessarily aren't clients of ours at the moment that are starting to pump the brakes on sales and starting to ask questions Mm -hmm. Um, and are starting to ask some important ones like, what is the ROI on this? So there's one particular Martech tool um, that I'm not going to name, but they have an army of agencies that are incredibly aggressive when it comes to sales. And we've talked several episodes ago about one of the dirty little secrets of Martech agencies is the preferred partner and the certified partners, they're nothing more than than an outsourced sales force. Um, and, you know, and this it one works. particular vendor, they're what's that? It works. And it works. But but the Maybe, problem probably is probably not is for the, the client though. But what i am starting to see is like those those agencies that are pushing for this, I'm starting to see people pushing back because they use the tactics of and i've seen it i've seen it in emails i've heard it on calls you know with this particular product that if you don't get on board you're going to be the last yeah uh, you're the last client in this vertical at this size who hasn't bought onto this yet like that fear of like that fear of missing out um the fear of being left behind to competitors they're using that and again like this this particular agency keeps going in trying different doors we've tried this and haven't been able to get there they finally like they they come out and said like hey can you help us with this we need to do this and they used the vendor tagline and finally i saw someone say but what are the you know they asking again what are the integration processes and they said well if you use the adobe experience platform and launch server side it costs you nothing and she's like well we don't have that right now we've looked into it this is the cost to upgrade um, we don't have a need to upgrade right now. Aside from this, are you saying if we were to upgrade, pay that cost, the program that you manage would make up that cost. And what do you think the response was? I don't even I guess nothing. They didn't respond at all. They just, they, they went quiet again because when, oh. yeah. When this particular client pushed back and said, like, gave hard numbers. It is a 20% increase on our contract to get this tool that you say you need it. We have no other need for it right now other than this. Are you going to be able to make up this dollar difference?
0: And they ghosted him.
1: Yep. The minute you kind of came at them with some hard numbers. (laughs)
0: Well, I and, and that's a good, you know, so you, you kind of started the the episode with, you know, how do we uh, how do we address this or not getting taken advantage by these uh, companies that use use FUD, you bring up a really, really important question that we should be asking is, does this agency does this vendor care about our long term success as a company? and a lot of these agencies that you and and vendors that use fud it's a really easy answer that they don't and you the the one example you bring up couldn't be any more, more clear and I don't know if we are thinking about the same agency but I've seen this many many times where they'll try every door every team in the in the company until they can get a yes but they do it by sabotaging the other teams. They're basically killing their host just to make a sale and they don't care right I've seen them go in and say, oh your analytics team is shit. you know they don't know what they're talking about they create this dis- you know and they're talking to marketing so now marketing's like, oh maybe my analytics team isn't great and they create this huge, huge disconnect and so all these seeds of discontent as they're as they're pushing their fud and they get the sale, which means they get their commission. But long term, they've done a lot of maybe irreparable damage to companies, and so, you know, that's the question we should be asking ourselves, especially if we feel like we're we're being um, presented with fud tactics. Does this vendor care about our long term viability and success of a company? And if if they're pushing fear, if they're especially if they're going in and they're attacking other. Organizations within our company and pitting them against each other, it should be very clear that they don't care about your long-term success. And if that's yeah. true, it should be an easy no. We're not interested.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't seen that specifically where they attack the teams, but they knock on every door. And yeah. it's been the... We've been trying to find an answer to this. We hear, like, it's it's more buttering up. We hear you might be the one. And, and then again, just the boilerplate reasons as to why to do it and
0: and 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 and, and that's just as toxic and i'm sure you've seen it in companies that you've worked with where they came to the analytics team the analytics team said no so then they go to the marketing team and the marketing team says oh okay yes and all of a sudden whether they're pitting the teams against each other or not that is absolutely what they're doing because the analytics team has a vision has a plan and now all of a sudden the marketing team shows up and said oh by the way here's our analytics architect and implementer you have to work with them we're like What the hell's going on here? It creates a lot of problems. Again, whether they're pitting teams against each other or they're knocking on a lot of doors, they're creating discontent within organizations and they do not care about you. They are just trying to make a sell to hit their numbers this quarter.
1: Well, it's funny enough with this particular client, with this particular um, partner. Um, So I've had a great deal of... um, time with this particular client, you know, and, and I've built up a good enough relationship where I feel like I can be brutally honest. And I've gone to a few folks there and I'm saying like, I'm trying not to start a tar war. i I'm trying not to start a pissing contest. These are questions you need to ask though, when they come at you with these kinds of things, when they come at you with this race, because in the 15 years I've been a part of of you know we're you know worked in analytics i've always seen there's always this race because there's always some kind of impending doom this is going away that's going away and yes adjustments need to be made yes changes have been made like gdpr was definitely a big thing to to be concerned about and to address but it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world and Um, Right now, what they're trying to capitalize on is, yes, there, you need to be aware of it. Yes, you need to make adjustments, but it is not the end of the world as they paint it. And my advice was, is like, don't fall for this. We need to do this today. It needs to get done right away. Um, Again, ask them, how does this benefit the program? And then, you know, what does this ultimately do for us? And don't take the vague response of it's just future proofing or it's just to get ahead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and, and kind of tying this back to how you kicked off the episode with the Apple Card I- example, it, it's unfortunate that agencies and vendors use the FUD approach. Um, I think there are times where there is some doubt and uncertainty that needs to be addressed but using that to create fear is is not the answer i think it's a lazy way of doing sales and marketing um and it's it's unfortunate because it's not necessary i get why they're doing it again going back to that marketing landscape slide it's a noisy crowded marketplace we have to stand out and so how do we do it well we can create a lot of fud and, and that definitely helps draw attention and helps us stand out. Or we can create incredibly positive and meaningful experiences and make this something really enjoyable. So much so that we're talking about it on podcasts and telling our friends that they should do that. Isn't that also a way to stand out? You know, I think because most people are just going to go through and... Do the average right, like getting you know getting uh, a credit card from random bank X. It's like okay, they It's not horrible. They're not using FUD. It's just an average experience. Very few are going to take the Apple approach to sending you a credit card. And and the same is true in the martech space. You know, most people are just going to go through the motions. You're going to have this one set that is very loud and obnoxious using fud, and then you're going to have this smaller set of people who are like we don't need to do we don't need to do that cuz we're going to create really positive experiences and that's why people want to buy from us. And and from a from a fud perspective, you can switch this upside down and like yeah, there's a lot of education. That, that needs to be had in the MarTech space. But rather than using that gap in understanding to create fear, what if we truly wanted to help educate our prospects, the companies we're working with, the marketplace, and use that as a differentiator for people? I mean, there's so much opportunity to do that, but yet people aren't willing to play the long game, which comes with you know helping educate and ra- raise the, the, the water for everybody. They don't want to play the long game because I have to hit my quota this quarter. So I'm just going to use the fact that there's a gap in understanding to create even more fear and uncertainty. So someone will buy from me, but I don't really give a shit if they use it or if it matters to them. And I know I'm going to get attacked and people say, well, I'm a salesperson and I don't. Okay, great. Yeah, I get it. But by and large. Most salespeople in the MarTech space are lazy. They use these techniques, which I think are toxic and unnecessary. And it's unnecessary because they have so many better options that benefit all of us in the long run, and they get theirs too. But you have to see it as a long game and not just, I'm going to get mine and get out, which I think a lot of salespeople in the MarTech space look at it as. Like, I don't care. I'm going to get mine, get out, bounce to another vendor, get mine, get out, bounce around, I don't care. It's just about me.
1: Yeah. And I also feel at times like this kind of sales tactic actually prevents organizations or seriously hinders them from solving problems that are actually people problems. It's just, you know, replace it with um, just add another tool and the problem's going to be solved when adding another tool actually makes it worth, worse because you don't have the right people or you don't have enough. You don't have the people. right tool.
0: You don't have the people. You don't have the yeah. the. You don't have the framework for how to use it. it. It it amplifies your existing problems rather than fixing them.
1: Exactly. And that's where I, I see like this tactic causing people to rush the fear that they're not going to get what they need instead of actually taking the time to slow down and actually say like, ask the questions like, does this really solve our problem? What is our problem? Do we even know what the problem is? Are we are we creating a problem because we have a solution like you know doing doing it backwards what
0: what do you think of actually calling that out that this is happening do you think that that would be impactful in these situations i think about it cuz like just the other day i had a scammer hit my phone on text and i'm like um um, I sent him a gif or I'm going to have to pull, I, I don't know. I can't remember what GIF I sent him, but it was something like none of this is real life because you're a scammer or something. And they're like, they're like, how, why would you say that? I'm like, come on. Well, I'm not dumb. I can see through your tactics and they of course went quiet and went away. Yeah. What if we started doing that in the market tech space? Like, look, I get what you're doing. Like you're using these FUD tactics on me and it's not going to work. Now do you want to come back and try again? It's kind of the approach that I've taken with the cold sales emails. Like, look, I get what you're doing. It's not going to work for you, bud. Here's a link if you want some info on what will work. And again, most of them go away and never come back, but it's weeding out the ones that clearly don't care about solving a problem for me, right? They're just
1: trying to hit their performance metrics. What if we started yeah. calling it out? Um, I think we're going to have to start doing that. Uh, cause where I was going with that client example, a couple minutes ago, I kind of started down a path and then kind of went down like a crazy path. um, where I was going with that is is I, I see organizations starting to ask those kind of questions, which is only going to amplify the fear, uncertainty, and doubt because we've talked so many times coming out of the pandemic. Analytics organizations are not rebounding when it comes to headcount, when it comes to budgets. They're being asked to do more with, with less people. So they either... I'm starting to actually see people starting to ask those questions. So I think we need to amplify it, like and make people aware that this is a typical sales tactic. And whenever someone is pushing you to make a rush decision, that's when you should actually stop and not do anything. And <laughs> and yeah. actually try to call it out. Like, is this really a a problem that needs to be solved today? Is this even really a problem? And again, like the I'm going to say it. I've said it multiple times. I feel like I've seen this rodeo before with the so-called cookie future. Mm-hmm. Are cookies changing? Yes. Are there things that we need to be aware of and make adjustments for? Yes. But are cookies going away tomorrow? I'm going to say no. They're going to exist. They're going to have to exist in one form or another. So all of these uh, vendors out there that are praying like, cookies are going away. You need to upgrade to this new platform now or you're going to miss out they're trying to make you make a rush decision, where if you actually kind of sat back and saw that, like, okay, I don't need to make this decision today. I can actually probably sit on it for the next six months and just think about it.
0: Yeah, and you you bring up a really good point that I think is worth repeating. You talked about analytics teams aren't rebounding. All the other teams are rebounding. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but all of the other teams surrounding analytics that also got hit hard during the pandemic are now rebuilding but analytics isn't and that's mm-hmm. a different topic but because of the fact that that's a known fact these analytics teams were hit hard and they're not going to be rebuilt anytime soon adding more overhead and things to try to take care of is only going to make your job more difficult as an analytics leader yeah. it, it is now time and we've talked about you know we had this whole series on sustainability and simplifying now is the time to simplify your your stack like you you simply aren't going to have the people to run all of these tools you're buying and ultimately you're 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 going to end in failure in your role it would be much better to simplify way way down and say we don't have the people the energy the headspace to do all this stuff we're going to simplify down to a few things and those few things we're going to do really really well I guarantee you that's going to have a massive positive impact, not only on the company, but your individual roles within the company.
1: Yeah. So, you know, in regard to that, like even this week, um, we internally have been spending time crafting a solution for, for a client um, where they're experiencing this, where the organization overall was hit hard by the pandemic and entire teams got nuked things were put on hold and we know how that goes but now now that we're past that um, and the their industry is booming again all of their other teams have seen increase in headcount all of those teams have in, is seen increase in budget for all of these new projects the analytics team has not so the the problem it, that appears on the surface is, is how do we get you know how do we how do we handle this queue of work? How can we um, get it, you know, get more done? And it's the, the answer is you can't in the current situation, you need headcount on your team and trying to just reorganize the queue where, well, let's just put our heads down and, you know, try to get through this next two weeks of of this project. it, It continues to mask the problem. So our time internally has been, how do we take this? To the client and say, here's your real problem and here's how you solve for it.
0: Yeah. And again, kind of speaking on this FUD factor of buying more tools, I feel for these analytics teams. I absolutely empathize with them because not only are the teams around them being rebuilt, that's having a direct impact on the analytics teams because. Now there's twice as many marketers that have requests for them. There's twice as many, you know, UX designers that want to run tests that are, they don't, they just don't have the time to do. And what ends up happening is rather than pulling back and thinking about, okay, how can we put processes and things in place uh, to address the needs of the business with the team we have in place? What do they do? Well, it's a tool problem. We gotta buy more tools to manage the queue, to manage the projects. Now we have twelve different tools we're using to manage intake and and Gantt charts and then and now we're spending all our time trying to manage. it it's only amplifying the problems. I I get it. Like I, I empathize with these teams, but we have to resist the urge, and especially if we feel like we're vulnerable to FUD, we have to resist the urge that buying tools is going to solve problems. Tools are necessary, and buying the right tools will take you to levels of amazingness that you've never seen before. But you can't get there until you get all of the other fundamental things in place first to under- understand what tools you want to buy. I think we've talked about this before using different analogies. You know, whatever your craft is, until you have a certain level of experience of what works, what doesn't. Buying tools is not going to elevate your game. In fact, oftentimes it brings it backwards. There's a there's a, a small saying in the DAO, something like trying to handle the master's tools, you get cut. You have no idea what you're doing. You're in a you're in a league that you're not ready to play in. You do the work, understand what tools that you can buy to make your craft even more elite, and then look at look at the master crafts people that you know in your life. They have fifty billion tools. Most of them have a few high-end tools where they're going to spend like I'm going to spend three hundred dollars on a chef's knife. I don't need I don't need fifty knives from Walmart that suck. I'm going to buy one knife high-end that's going to take my you know craft to another level. And that's how analytics teams need to be thinking. We don't have the headspace or ability to have rooms full of Martech tools. It's just it's not necessary. We need to understand what we're trying to solve for, put in the work to know what tool is going to be best, and then go out and buy the best tool you can, rather than a collection of cheap tools, buy the best tool you can to solve the problems that you're trying to solve. That it, that makes a huge amount of difference.
1: So what were we talking about? You know, you're talking about headspace, right? The, the ability to think and to be able to actually get stuff done what were we talking about before we started recording you know i was telling you kind of like how like how the week was going and early to the middle part of the week like i was just in the wrong the wrong frame of mind because like Mm -hmm. i was reaching that point where i couldn't take in another thing i couldn't think about one more thing and what did we talk about we talked about like i you know the need that i have right now to not just say no to stuff but get better at identifying what needs to be said yes to because simplify you're falling focus into the pattern. Down. What's that?
0: Simplify your focus down.
1: Yeah. So making sure, you know, I'm saying yes to, to the right things and mm. that's, you know, fear, uncertainty to out fear, porn, all of that disrupts our ability to really see through and make the right choices because it becomes so scary to say no.
0: Yeah, not only scary, but it, it, it becomes, it, it's, it's a known path to burnout. Um, again, these, these analytics teams are so incredibly small and rather than taking a step back and being really deliberate in the things that they're trying to do they're saying yes to everything again the teams around them are growing so they have more requests they have vendors coming in and saying well you need to go to this you know data collection strategy you need to move to this tool and so they're saying yes to all of that every time you say yes to one of those things you're jugg- you're adding another ball that you're trying to juggle it is incredibly tiring you know juggling 3 is hard enough but then 5 then 10 then 12 it's it's tiring and and the end is predictable. You're either going to become so tired you can't do it anymore, or most likely the balls are going to start dropping and you're gonna you're gonna have like a breaking point, a burnout event. And it's you know we can put analytics, the health of the company, insights from data. Let's put that all aside as individuals, as humans working in analytics, in data, in marketing technology. Saying yes to all of these FUD, fear porn, you know, all of these sales techniques, it is guaranteed path to burnout. <laughs> and and I don't want to see people go down that path. Like none of what we're doing is so important that you should put your mental and physical health at risk because you're trying to keep all of these balls in the air because you're saying yes to every piece of fear that's being put in front of you by these vendors. If, if nothing else, look at it as a personal challenge of no, I can't say yes to this because there's only so many things that I can focus on. This isn't one of them. The fact that you're using fear to try to sell it to me tells me you don't care about me. It's a no, and it's okay. Just practice it. You'll get, you'll get over the fear really quickly, and it will become a thing where it's not enjoyable to say no, but it's freeing to say no because you're taking your care in your own hands. You know, it's no longer about trying to appease other people. You know, the fear of, of turning people down. It's a, I made a deliberate decision to help support the things that I'm trying to do. And it feels really, really good.
1: And fear is such a powerful motivator. You know, as I said, when, when we kicked off the, the conversation, like fear, you know, often like decisions that are made out of fear they're they're often drastic and they're often wrong yeah it's it's a quick decision like well i'd rather make the wrong decision and say yes to it than say no and make the wrong decision that way um and it's actually should be the the complete opposite of that
0: yeah if you're if you're getting pushed into a place of of fear it it should be a a sign for you to put up a huge stop sign and, and take a step backwards because most of us you're right don't make good decisions In places of fear and we we've talked about it as a company a lot um and and sometimes the internal teams will say something like well why are we doing this now we don't need to focus on this now well we're doing it now because i don't want it's an insurance policy of avoiding being in a place of fear in the future because i know that if we don't address this now and it comes up in the future and it's fearful we're most likely going to make a bad decision and, mm-hmm. and so the same is true here when we're buying marketing technology or buying anything and the sales people are using fear to drive a decision, chances are you're going to. And that's why I think so many of us, especially when we're making big ticket purchases, have buyer's remorse because we bought into that fear. We get home, those chemicals have drained out of our body, and then all of a sudden we said, ugh. Oh, what the hell did I just do? Like, I didn't need that. This isn't the right, you know, selection for me. This isn't the car I really wanted. And we have remorse because we fell into that trap and let the those stress chemicals dictate our decision. And oftentimes those decisions we end up regretting.
1: Yeah. And it's one of the, the, the habits I've tried to build when it comes to being pressured into something is to say like, if, if I can't, like, if I'm feeling rushed, if I can't take time to think about it, then the answer's got to be a no. Yeah, I got. That's I gotta that's got to
0: be the fail safe. The default state yeah. is a no.
1: Like if 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 I'm being pressured that there is no time to think about this, we just need to we just need to do it. Um, that's my that that's my cue, and I've gotten really good at it over the last several years. I mean, I still have a problem with saying yes to too much. That's not rushed. That's a whole other problem. The problem I'm talking about is is like when you're being pressured like we need to do this today. we need we need to meet about this today we need to talk about this today we need to kick this project off today We're quickly running out of time no oh, oh, this is this is when we slow down so we make the right choice
0: yeah and you know the, the car buying the car buying experience is changing but you know how many of us have been on a, a, a car lot looking at a car? And, and the sales person used that, that tactic. Oh, you, you like that one? Well, I mean, it's the last one on, on the lot. And we have this sale and it's ending in like two hours. So should we do it? It's like, whoa, stop. Nope, I'm going somewhere else. Like this is not. But yeah. we've all been hit with that, right? Like the sleazy used car sales approach of, you know, limited time, limited inventory. This is going away. Well, there's another option somewhere. Like we should be so super comfortable saying, okay, that's fine. Oh, there's another option somewhere else. Like you shouldn't, if you shouldn't get sucked into that, because if, if, if salespeople are using that approach, they don't care about you. They're not trying to align some, again, back to my, why aren't we creating good experiences with helping educate buyers on what is best for them? You're creating lifelong customers. You're creating great experiences. They're happy about again, because they don't care about lifetime value. They care about making the sell today and they don't give a shit if you come back tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's this, this high pressure, you know, you're going to miss out environment and people falling for it. It's what creates unsustainable analytics programs. It's what creates unsustainable marketing programs. It creates tools that are in constant need of repair where it, and you are, you're in a repair state, not a, not a maintenance state. You're in a constant state of repair. Things are breaking, because we rushed to buy it and we didn't really think through as, you know, if this is a tool need or a people need.
0: And again, like I think it's it's human nature, right? Like we, we, we whatever the sales and marketing techniques, we, we, we only think about the now. Well, I can afford this car. Well, you can afford to buy it but can you afford to drive it and maintain it? That's a completely different question. And we see people, you know, same with houses. It's like, well, I can, I, can, I can afford that mortgage. You can afford the mortgage, but can you afford the utility bills? Can you afford the maintenance? And that's why so many people get in trouble as they see it as this one-time cost and they get sucked into the sales and marketing techniques and they buy it. They don't think about the long-term costs involved and usually, or a lot of times, those situations in poorly. And it's no different from MarTech. You know, we, we get sucked into the sales tactics. We buy something. It's like, oh, we can afford the price tag. Yeah, you can afford the price tag of buying it. Can you afford to maintain and use it? That's a completely separate question you're not asking yourself.
1: And here's the thing too. There's a cost to maintaining it. But if you think the cost of maintaining something is expensive, try letting it go. Whether it be a house to your point or a Martech implementation. The cost to repair or even flat out replace yeah so like that that's even worse so like if you're buying something and you can't afford the maintenance of it you absolutely cannot afford the repair cost when it ultimately fails
0: and again i think going back to your question like how do we see through this like we should be more comfortable asking questions of sales and marketers to help educate us on the process hey i I see that you're trying to sell me this prop platform for a hundred thousand dollars you you work in the space like what is it going to take to actually run it and maintain it? How many people do we need? What are the maintenance costs going to look like? You know what you know what what are your clients doing that are using this three four years down the road that are are really successful? And if they're unable or unwilling to answer your, those those type of questions, back to your example, well what's the ROI? But if they're uncomfortable asking that answering those type of questions, you have your answer like. This is a, this is a person, this is a company that doesn't care about our long-term success. Our default answer should be an immediate no. We need to get much better at putting up the stop sign, walking away from fear and asking questions to become informed. And if we see any red flags in that process, it should be an easy no to walk away, you know, regardless of how sexy the solution looks, right? Right. Regardless of how much fear they're putting in, like, if we don't do this, it's going to be three times as expensive tomorrow. No, who cares? Walk away. Walk away, center yourself, have the discussion. Can we afford this? Can we maintain this? Is this something we even need? And then make an informed buy decision.
1: Yeah. And also, too, like when it comes to, to fear, um, our, our minds take us to the worst case scenario, which in most cases doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. Yeah. So that fear of, it's going to be more expensive tomorrow, or you may not be able to get onboarded fast enough because our onboarding queue is is, is quickly filling up. No, it's not. You'll yeah. you'll you'll be fine.
0: Yep. Yep. I, and again, I think just knowing again, the the most important thing is to just admit that this happens and that we're susceptible to it. <laughs> you know, if we can't admit that, we can't fix anything. Yeah. Um, but but after that, you know, finding finding a sales partner, a marketing partner that truly wants to help make you better not just today but long term. That's where our focus should be. Like we should start rewarding those. Like today we're rewarding the sleazy tactics. That's why we get hit up by so many of them because it's obviously working for them and so they're going to keep doing it. We should we should put up a stop sign and say no, we're going to stop rewarding it. We're going to push back. We're going to say we don't want to be sold to this way. We don't want to be treated this way. This is the experience that we want. The decision has to lie with us whether we're going to change the way that we're sold and marketed to. You know, we can't just complain about it. We have to put action behind it and say, I don't want to be sold to this way and get comfortable saying that.
1: Agreed. So let, let, let's, let's wrap it up there uh, for this week. Um, I, I know at times it feels like we're bashing sales and to a degree we are. I'm not gonna lie and say we're not, but it's not that I'm bashing sales, it's I wanna call out some of the tactics that I see, some of the bullshit tactics that lead to major problems that sales does not have to clean up. How many times I've come into a broken implementation because tools were oversold, um, things were simplified too much, or people made rushed decisions to get something and kind of get it up haphazardly. And I'm part of the cleanup crew.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, like it, our, our goal isn't to bash sales. Our goal is to highlight a better way to do it and ultimately look at this as we need partners. We need true partners that want to have a meaningful relationship. Just think about sales partners that you've had in your life, whether professional or personal, that truly care about your long-term success it is a joy to work with them. They are part of your team. And right now, so many of it, it's not seen as a team game. We're not partners. You're trying to trick me into something, you know, we need to start talking about and rewarding partners, whether it's sales, marketing, or otherwise that truly care, care about our long-term success. Like that's going to fundamentally change the game.
1: Agreed. Cool. So let's, let's wrap it up there. Um, it's been uh, it's been a fun conversation. And by the way, I always love using the term "fear porn" because I think it (laughs) it, it, really—that's going
0: to click some uh, content stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Like, (laughs) it's—it also creates an image on kind of like, yeah, you know, how how it impacts the brain. Yeah, but cool. All right, chatting with you, and we'll talk to everybody later. See ya. See ya.